0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,129.
1: My passion or my feeling about everything I do is to always do the right thing and always be consistent and fair.
0: Hey Gary, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: Absolutely, I love this stuff.
0: <laughs> Here we go. Gary Bennett is the vice president of consignment for Ritchie Brothers Auctions. His career is the collector car industry has spanned over forty-five years by actively selling, buying, and participating in the collector industry. Gary's known for his knowledge of cars and extreme honesty, integrity, and credibility. And he spent seventeen years as vice president of Barrett Jackson Auctions. And during this time, they grew from $18 million to $130 million in sales and saw attendance grow from $70,000 to $350,000 for their signature events alone. Gary has been president of Lister North America, Lister Restoration, and of Coach Connection. Aside from his love for automobiles, he's also passionate about motorcycles. He's raced vintage NASCAR, Trans Am, European sports cars, and open-wheel race cars as well. No doubt you've seen his writings for the New York Times, Auto Week, Motor Trend, and many other fine automotive publications, and I'll bet you've seen him on numerous automotive television shows as well. So Gary, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more? About your careers, your your long careers, and a very obvious deep passion for automobiles.
1: Well, Mark, I, I I've been a car guy since I was a little boy, and I, I can't explain it other than I've just had a passion for nearly Anything with an engine in it. I, I laugh because of uh, the things I had to do. I grew up, my father was a postman, mother worked in a bank, and we were a very typical uh, lower middle class family in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I lived three blocks away from Route 66. Wow. And grew, grew up there, and my grandmother ran the post office right there on Route 66 in Red Fork, the community we lived in. And I used to go up there and just watch the cars drive down the Down the highway, down Route 66, it was just, uh, sounds crazy, I'd ride my bicycle up there and watch them, but that's just the way I've always been, and then it's just evolved into, I never thought I'd have a career like I've had in the automotive world. Take something that I loved and have it be a way to make a living, it's just the best thing in the world for me.
0: Well, you learn the secret sauce to a very happy life, and that's why I love having people like you as guests here. That's what Cars is all about, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And today, we're going to inspire some listeners who are automotive enthusiasts about your story. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars So, Gary, take the wheel.
1: Well, it's really simple. I live by what I'm about to say, but it's so basic. And so many people just don't, aren't able to get it and, and live this. My passion or my feeling about everything I do is to always do the right thing and always be consistent and fair in all things you do. And if you do that, it doesn't matter if you're an architect designing buildings or you're in the car business selling cars or you're a collector buying cars. You will always prevail if you stick by that mantra. I believe that. I've lived my life with that.
0: Well, you have to if you're in the business of selling and buying cars because that old concept of the used car salesman being a little snaky and a little dodgy, um, what I've heard from you over the years, and I've known about you forever, Gary, I've been a car guy forever. Uh, You're always that uh, that guy that's running all over the place, the guy with the long hair. I'm a little jealous because I have no hair. And uh you you're you're unique in the way you look but everybody has always said to me that Gary he's the most honest day is the guy uh honest guy is the day is long um and that's really refreshing especially in the the car buying and selling business so nice way to go through life it's obviously worked very very well for you let's uh go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars i mean the fact you kind of shared a little bit, sitting on Route 66, watching the cars go by. What could be better than that as a little kid? But is there a pivotal moment, as you recall it, that you knew you were indeed a car guy?
1: Yeah, I, there is, Mark. And it's interesting you say that because what I'm about to share with you it almost gives me goosebumps to think about it because <laughs> you're, you've really stimulated some interesting thoughts for me. It really happened when I was so taken by cars that in my little neighborhood, back in the 50s, the mid 50s, late 50s, when I was 10, 12, 14, 15 years old, people were buying new cars every couple of years, it seems. And I had a neighbor who would buy a new car every couple of years and I would go over and wash his cars for free. I didn't charge (laughs) him just to be around them. And it gave me an opportunity to be inside them. It would let me open the trunk. I could get under the hood. It gave me a chance to get familiar with them. I never will forget he had a he had a '63 and a half um, fastback, 406 Ford, four-speed. I mean, how cool is that in 1963? I mean, I'm sorry, this is in the '50s, but he ultimately had a car like that. And and in the '50s, he had a a '57 Chevrolet convertible of all things. I'd go over and watch that thing, and I'd open the hood and just lust over. You know, it had a 283 in it with a four barrel and nothing special, but back then it was very special to me. And 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 then I went on, as I got older, to work in a gas station just so, pumping gas, just so I could check the oil in cars and look at all the engines. That is just fundamentally just amazing to me that I enjoy that so much. I look back upon that with so much fondness. I I just, I hadn't thought about that in years until you asked the question. I'm serious.
0: Yeah, I'm glad I brought back those fond memories and, uh, I think that's pretty cool just to be around cars. You used to wash his car and hang out in the gas station. I think that's what all of us enthusiasts got a little petrol running through our veins that want us uh, to be around these things and be a part of them. And yeah, what a life and legacy you built doing that. Well, speaking of your life, let's go down some roads that maybe had some bumps in them. I always ask my guests for a big challenge or a big failure that they faced. Because these things teach us invaluable lessons as we move forward, so walk us through one of those and tell us how that specific experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career and your business and your life
1: this is a hard one uh, back in the early eighties I uh, started an architectural firm in Tulsa it was devouring me and that there were only there were only about thirteen of us and we were going broke and it just required all of my time and and in that Time as the owner, or three of the three partners out of the eight. Imagine that. I mean, thirteen. At the end of the day, we were going broke, and we borrowed all the money we could borrow. And I didn't take hadn't taken any money home for a year, and all that stuff. That adventure cost me a thirty-three year long marriage, and that is a devastating thing to experience. Having said that, the reality is. That if I had worked as hard on my relationship as I had building that business, and I will tell you that business became the largest architectural firm in the United States, and we did every Walmart store in the world.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wow.
1: I, I agree that. In 1983, we were going broke trying to build libraries in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I said to my partners, we have to do something different. We need to go to work for someone that builds buildings because they need to have them built so they can do something else in them, not a developer that wants to have his his special paint color used on it or whatever that may be and going broken process so I approached Rob Walton who I've known forever and he put me in touch with the head construction guy at Walmart and to make a long story short uh, it was a dude it was a hell of a process to go through, but we ended up our first thing that Sam gave me was 60 stores to see how we do. And 60. we actually introduced Walmart, if you can imagine, into being prototypical with their stores. Because they were using architects all over the country, and uh, they were all different, looking at them differently. And I said, Sam, if you would just concentrate on these 60 stores, we're all going to need air conditioners. Now, the ones in Wisconsin are going to need fewer than the ones in Florida, but they're going to need more heaters. But the reality is the ceiling system, the floor system, the lighting system, the entry system are the same in every store you build, regardless if it's in South Florida or Minnesota. And what we can do is we can order all those air conditioners from one supplier, you can get that discount. And of course, he got it. The light came on, next thing you know, we were off to the races. But that that was a wonderful story in its own right, but that cost me my marriage and my and that was that as bad as that was, every, you know, every door closes, Mark. There's another one that opens. Yes. I met Muffy. I met Muffy yeah. four years later and um the rest of it's history. And we're still wow. living We're creating it yeah. as we go.
0: <laughs> you know, it's it's an incredible story. And I really appreciate you taking us down a, a painful path in your in your past. Um you know my dad was an architect. I saw how hard he worked. Uh my parents too divorced and it a, it's a tough business, but you kind of, well, you didn't kind of, you did figure it out. And I love the fact that you realized we have to change. We can't keep digging a hole in the same place. That's the key I see to so many people who've been on my show that it be, they've turned something around that was not successful, even in the automotive industry. But wow, what a story. And I appreciate you taking us there. And uh, yeah, Muffy shared a little bit about that as well yesterday when she was on the show. And how fortunate you two were to meet. And it's just, you know, serendipity. It was meant to happen. And I'm so happy that you both ended up after having difficult challenges with divorce. And I believe me, having grown up in a family that that happened in, it is a hard thing for everybody. Um, wow. Kudos to you for, for figuring that. What a cool story. And of course, there's some people in the Walton family who are kind of into cars too, because I used to vintage race as you and, uh, have seen some incredible cars at the track that the Waltons drive, right?
1: Oh yeah, Rob's got a car. Rob's got some cars. I, I uh Rob at the time was living in Bentonville. This is back in the back in the early 80s and uh actually was buying cars and Mr. Walton didn't like that. That was too um uh too showy probably. Yeah. showy. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, you know, Rob was trying to find places to put cars in Tulsa and just he he was doing whatever he could to under the radar to kind of he's always been a car guy and he's been passionate about them and i'm just i'm just proud to know him he's a really neat man uh, yeah absolutely amazing
0: oh incredible empire they built well let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum i'd love for you to share what i call a career aha moment now you've pivoted many times from architecture into auctioneering and running companies and divisions within companies and I mean, boy, uh, done some amazing things. Is there one specific maybe aha you can share for us that taught you some great lessons and helped you move forward as well in your uh, success in business? Yeah, absolutely,
1: Mark. I, I, think, I think the big moment for me was, you know, I was, I was out there after I'd sold my interest in, in BSW, the architectural firm, and kind of played around. I was racing, riding motorcycles, having this living large, and every day was Saturday. This is a crazy thing. During that time, going to a regular routine physical with my doctor, and my doctor says, Gary, you're depressed. I said, mm. What are you talking about? I'm not depressed. I'm the happiest guy you've ever met. And she said, No, you are. Let's do this. And she gave me a test and she said, No, you're seriously depressed. And what was happening, Mark, is I was the most unhappy guy in the world because I had lost my purpose. And floundering would be a good word. I mean, I I was living a dream. I had money, I I, I had Success. I had my cars. I was still married at the time. I mean, my marriage hadn't hadn't evaporated yet. It was in the process. But going through all that, and and so well, after I got through the divorce, did all that stuff. I moved to San Diego. I lived out there for about three years, and I got a phone call from Barrett Jackson, and asked if I could come help them build this business. I thought this is crazy. I'm not looking for a job. What am I? What am I doing? Yeah.
0: Why'd you call uh, me?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I've been a a VIP at Barrett-Jackson's. I've been to every barrett Jackson since the first one in 1971. And that's another story. When I went there, I didn't go alone. I went there with Jimmy Lake out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, who at the time, and Muskogee, actually, who at the time was the largest rose voice collector in the world. Yeah. Mr. Lake took me out there like his son, and I met Russ Jackson, Tom Barrett, Don Williams, Leo Gephardt, all those guys, all uh, Johnny Bassett out of Arkansas, all these big, huge collectors from back in the 70s became friendly. And as a result, I had been going to Barrett-Jackson and I would buy a car in Tulsa that I loved and drive it to Barrett-Jackson and sell it and buy another one and drive it home. And, and over those years, I'd, I'd become what they call the inner circle. And that was people that they would talk to and and, and had confidence in. Craig reached out and said, "Gary, we're we're struggling. Brian had passed away, and I was good friends with Brian Jackson, Craig's older brother, and his father had passed away two years prior to that. And Craig had just had this thing dumped on him. And uh, at the end of the day, I said, sure, 'Sure, let's try this.' And all of a sudden, I found myself in my element, in my world, in that I was living the dream. I was uh, every day. I was." Looking at cars, I was talking to people about cars. I was I was continuing my education about cars. I I do that every day. Before we got on the phone today, I I was I was on the internet looking at some cars, doing some things, trying to educate myself. But at, at the end of the day, what I ended up doing there, and in, and being part of that incredible success, and uh, I promise you, it wasn't easy. But at the end of the process, to be able to look at that and say. Holy cow, what a ride, what a run. And all the wonderful, Mark, the amazing people that I've met in that journey, the, the, whether they're sellers, whether they're buyers, whether they're just observers, the people in the automotive world are some of the neatest people that I've ever, ever met. And I realized only then how out of my element I was in the architectural community. I mean, this is what I've always loved. Now, back when I had the architectural firm, I was driving nice cars, I promise. And at uh, the end of the day, I was scratching that itch, so to speak, but I wasn't doing what I ended up doing for now nearly the last 20 years. But, what a ride it's been, and it's still going on. Actually, I think I've, I just grabbed another gear, and it's higher than the last one in my new adventure that we'll talk about here in a little while.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What a, what a fun story.
1: Well, that was my aha moment. I mean, I I didn't even know it when I did it. It took a couple of years for me to figure it out. All of a sudden, I'm in my element.
0: Yeah, well, you know, my big takeaway from that is what you touched on at the beginning, and that was needing a purpose when you get up in the morning. And I've seen this with some people, even uh, people who've uh, achieved monetary success early in life, and they quit, quote-unquote, working, and they're just playing all the time, and they realize either quickly or after a while, that isn't enough. And you have to have a purpose. And whether you get into philanthropy or you start another business or you go work for a company, you need a reason more than just playing to you wake up every morning. And I know for some listeners are going, Mark, you're crazy. I would love to get up and just play every morning. But you really do need a purpose to get out of bed and, uh, and be successful and be contributing, right?
1: Mark, I couldn't agree more. What it really is, in my opinion, Is contributing something. It's important to to contribute. It's important to help others. I I know after I left Barrett Jackson, I had a non compete that I honored diligently. And that year, I could have just sat at home every day and done nothing, or I could have gotten on a plane and traveled anywhere I wanted to go. You know what I did? I think you do. I went to uh, Jim Osborne, called me from the Austin Hatcher Foundation. I was a huge supporter of that charity when I was at Barrett Jackson. And he said, Gary, what are you doing? And, and I said, nothing. He said, do you want to do something? And I said, absolutely. So that year I spent helping them raise money for the Austin Hatcher Foundation. And, it, and Mark, it gave me that purpose. It gave me focus. It gave me a good feeling about Gary Bennett and what I was doing with my life while I was actually in neutral idling. It was a wonderful experience. I wouldn't take anything for it.
0: Awesome. Well, for those listeners out there, this is a golden nugget that... Uh... Scariest drop for us. When I was, uh, we're recording the show a week after I got back from Pebble Beach and Car Week, and I was invited to a wonderful breakfast with uh, Richard and Melanie Lundquist, who have a beautiful home there along Seventeen Mile Drive. It was a a function for McPherson College. Melanie Lundquist is a huge philanthropist and very very involved in in helping so many charitable organizations. And you think about what that family has done for people and. The fact that you realize that you need to be out doing something. So this is a valuable lesson for you listeners out there. No matter what level you're on, you can contribute. You can get up and help people. And that is truly what makes us feel good about ourselves and as being human beings. Let's go back in time and talk about your first really special car, Gary. That first car you got that was really special for you. I emphasize the word first because I know you've had a lot of cars in your life. What was that vehicle?
1: Well... It's interesting you would ask. I I was forced to get my first car because I was I got caught drag racing my dad's new Mercury, and uh, he when he found out about it, he told me I need to buy my own car. And and, <laughs> and I said okay. So I ended up buying a fifty four Ford for three hundred dollars and had it for a year and sold it. I'm in high school. I sold it and bought a fifty seven Pontiac trying to get more horsepower. I sold it and bought a sixty four Corvette in sixty four, and, 64. and mm-hmm. that was pretty special. And in 65, I got another one. I bought a Corvette, and I, and I still have that car. Having said Really? That, wow. Yeah, that's a long story, too. But at the end of the day, back then, I was, I was still in school. I was married, having a child, and my car payment was $96 a month, and my rent was 53 That tells you everything about my priorities, and I will tell you today, nothing's changed. <laughs> uh, still, I'm still that way. And and, and uh, I ended up selling that 65 Corvette to a fellow that I knew and bought a Jaguar E-Type, a 69. And and, and so I've always, just always done that. Forty years later, the guy I sold that Corvette to called me and asked me if I wanted to buy it back. And that was then five <laughs> years ago. And I bought it back. And well, I had it back. You. He, he took care of it. For forty years and put twenty thousand miles on it, and uh, the carburetor's never been off of it. It's an amazing car, and it's in the garage. And every time I walk out there and look at it, it's just nothing but memories. I mean, it's just it's just yeah. amazing.
0: How fun is that? That's amazing. Well, oh, it is. How about sellers' remorse? I would assume there's a car that you've let go that you really wish you could have back. And I'm going to take money out of the equation because. We all have those stories because of the way the car market goes up and down. But is there one car just from an emotional tug on your heart you wish you had in the garage?
1: Yeah, 289 Cobra. and uh, Oh! My, I've had several Cobras, and and I never will forget. It gets back to that 60, 65 Corvette. In 65, I dragged my pregnant wife down to a Ford dealership to look at a Marina Blue, Guardsman Blue, I guess is the right color, with red interior 289 Cobra at the Ford dealership in Tulsa. And I wanted to trade that 65 Corvette Coupe I had for that 289 Cobra. And she said, no, that doesn't make any sense. You know, the tops don't work. I mean, the side curtains, we got a baby on the way. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? <laughs> right. And at the end of the day, I made up for that when I could actually do what I wanted to do without having to ask. I ended up buying my first 289 Cobra. And I had it. I loved it. it. I cherished it. It was a lot of things. It's what it represented from what I couldn't have earlier. To what i could have then and of course they were they weren't worth what they're worth today back then but a lot of my life mark i grew up having to sell the car i had to buy the next one i couldn't keep everything i couldn't keep anything actually i needed to i need this that's what gets back to my point about driving a car to barrett-jackson and uh selling it and buying another one while i was there and and an example of that is i drove a, a maserati camson that i had in, in in 76 out to barrett-jackson sold it, and back then they didn't have catalogs like they have now, and they didn't have the internet, obviously, so you just kind of went there, and and it it was like Christmas. You didn't know what was going to be under the tree until you got there and looked at what people brought. So I sold the cams, and they didn't have anything I could either afford or that I wanted. Now, I was really into European cars then. I'd left the Corvette world and gotten into Maseratis and all that Italian stuff and it, and anyways so I sold the Camson and there wasn't anything there I could buy or wanted to buy. Went to Camelback Porsche and bought a brand new 1976 Turbo Porsche. I'd never owned a Porsche in my life. Took that thing and bought it and drove it back to Tulsa. And they're all special. I mean, I every car I've ever owned, I would say, has a special place because I'm I'm a believer. I've never bought a car to sell. I always bought a car I loved if I had to keep it in his last car I had, I'd be good with that. Now my interests would change. I may have liked the Camson. I may have liked the Merrick. I may have liked the Bora. I may have liked the three, two, eight. I may have liked the Countach, but i would wanted to get another car. I think I'm pretty normal that way. I may have, I may have owned a lot of cars that people aspire to own or wish they could have. And and mm-hmm. I, I was in a position to act on that. And then, and I did, but at the end of the day, you still can't have everything. And, and, I wish I could have them all back, Mark.
0: <laughs> well, we all I do. do. I mean, yeah. <laughs>
1: they're all so special. And it has nothing to do with the monetary value. It's why I had to buy the 65 Corvette back. The guy, of course, knew who I was and knew where I worked. And, and he wanted a ridiculous amount of money for it. And I asked him, I said, John, what'd you pay for this? I don't even remember what you paid me for. He <laughs> said $2,500. Yeah. Let me tell you, I yeah. didn't buy it back for $2,500.
0: Not but, quite. The,
1: but But, you know it has little to do with it. it. It has everything to do with the emotional ties. And, and this is a passion driven hobby, this yeah. loving cars. And and it, it's emotional. I'd give anything. I've said this on the auction block on television. I'd give anything if these cars could talk and yes. tell their stories. I think it'd just be amazing. I truly yeah. do.
0: Yeah, no doubt it would. And of course the, uh, the Maserati Kampson, uh what a beautiful Gandini-designed car at Bertone. Uh, if I remember right, that thing had a like a 4.9-liter V8 in it. I mean, it was named Shut after up. that. Yeah, you know, and I love the name. A hot, violent gust of wind blowing across the Egyptian desert, if my memory serves me. Kind of like the Scirocco, uh name. Two very different cars, of course, but... What a story. Well, I would love for you to share what has you excited and fired up today. I know you're involved now with Ritchie Brothers Auctions. Uh, Your lovely wife, Muffy, shared a lot about that. But I'd love for you to talk a little bit about Ritchie Brothers Auctions and your new role there. And what has you so excited right now?
1: Well, it it is an amazing opportunity. Uh, First of all, for the people, the listeners that didn't hear Muffy yesterday, Ritchie Ritchie Brothers is the world's largest live auction house. And they specialize in heavy equipment. They're a publicly traded company with uh, annual sales of between 4 and $5 billion.
0: Billion and with they, a B? Oh, my gosh. Billion
1: with a B. Wow. And they decided they wanted to get in the collector car business in an attempt to diversify what they do. They came to me and asked me if this is something they knew I'd gone from Barrett-Jackson, and uh, would it be something I'd be interested in doing? And I said, absolutely. And here we are. We're in the process of putting that all together as we have this conversation.
0: How exciting. Now, how can people learn more about Ritchie Brothers Auctions?
1: Well, we have a lot to tell people, but we're not there yet. And I say that you can go online today and Google Ritchie Brothers, and you'll learn about their worldwide presence in the live auction community. And one of the things they did that I didn't mention in the last year, they acquired a company called Iron Planet, and Iron Planet is the largest internet heavy equipment auction house in the world, and the, the the merger was so significant that the Department of Justice got involved and tried to stop it because they believed that it was going to be a monopoly. Having said that, they prevailed. The uh, Ritchie Brothers and Iron Planet prevailed, and as a result, now you have the largest internet equipment company and the largest live auction equipment company together, and they want to get in the collector car business. So you can Google. Richie Brothers, you can Google Iron Planet, you can keep your eyes open for what's going to happen in the collector car world. They did acquire a regional auction house. I mentioned the Lake name earlier when I talked about Jimmy Lake taking me to Bear Jackson in 71. Mr. Lake had his own auction in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, I used to take my vacations and help him with that just to be around the cars, Mark. So when we're having these conversations, they talk to me about, you know, a startup, uh, what do we do? And I said you guys ought to buy an existing little car auction company and have something to build on. They bought Lake Auction Company, and it's spelled L-E-A-K-E. And uh, they, they have auctions in Tulsa, Oklahoma City, and Dallas. They're regional sales, and, and, and they're honest. They've got a great reputation. They work hard. Good Oklahoma work ethic. And uh, that's going to be the cornerstone of what we're going to build on. And the plan is to have more of those regional sales and then build three or four national events around the United States. Uh, I had meetings with a significant NASCAR owner, and most people will figure this out that know me, in Charlotte. And they he wants to partner with us and do an event in Charlotte between the... the uh, coca-cola 600 and the all-star race that week that week in between and and what they want to do there is we want to have television major sponsors like ford and general motors and and dodge and jack daniels and pick somebody they everybody get involved and make this happen and turn this into a automotive event like what i've been accustomed to in the past
0: nice nice how exciting
1: it is it's amazing
0: yeah yeah fantastic
1: and all I want to do, I, I love Barrett Jackson, My and I've, I've told Craig this many times, my name and Steve Davis's name and his name are on that birth certificate of what Barrett Jackson is. Couldn't be more proud of that. And the last thing you want to do when you're a parent is hurt your child. I do not want to harm Barrett Jackson in any form or fashion. All I want to do in my role, in my new role, in my world, is give people an option. Do something else. Look at another opportunity, another venue. This is not about anything other than just trying to create something different. And I'm so excited about what that can be and what that could represent. I could talk to people on this for days.
0: (laughs) Well, I know you're going to be successful because you have and always will be and have been and wish you the best success. I can't wait to see how things progress from here. But here's a very introspective question for you, Gary. We'll learn a little bit about how you think. If you were manifested into a vehicle, what would Gary be and why?
1: I would be a, Ford, a new 2018 or 17 Ford GT. I'm blessed to have nice. one.
0: Nice. Um,
1: or a mid-engine Corvette. Oh. The, the, new, the new C8. Yes. And I say that because they, it's what they represent. It's what they represent to me uh, personally. First of all, they're leading-edge technology. I think the Ford GT, and I've seen a little bit of stuff about the mid-engine Corvette, they're stunning cars design-wise. The the highest of technology, the highest performance one could ask for, and they're also American-made. And because of my relationship with Ford and General Motors that I developed over the last 20 years, being one of those cars and being all-American and all that, that's what I would want to be. I'd want to be one (laughs) of those two vehicles. And I would be so proud because... I'd be pretty, I'd be fast, I'd represent where the world is today, I'd have a legacy when it comes to the Ford GT, I mean, winning Le Mans 1617 is no small feat, but at the end of the day, those cars mean the world to me, and I would want to be one of those if if that could ever happen.
0: Very nicely said. I love it. Well, Gary, up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier plush and Berber custom floor mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell a market cars. Yeah, sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream to design and build that perfect garage? My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. contact metron garage today and begin realizing your dream garage go to metrongarage.com that's metrongarage.com garage is built for discerning enthusiasts where it's not just a garage it's where your dream garage comes true okay gary we are back and we're entering the last lap i'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers, so here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received by what you love? Yes, you said it earlier, very important. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years?
1: Do the right thing,
0: yes, honesty and oh, integrity do the right thing. yeah, so important. Now, how about a resource? There are awesome resources out there for us, car enthusiasts these days. Is there one in particular you'd like to share?
1: There is. And it's people. Develop mm. relationships with people that you care about and you will find they are nothing but wealth of information, guidance, and help. Especially in this car world. You can't have enough friends in the car world. Then because there's always things you never you know, you you amazed me knowing that a that a Maserati Kansan had a four point nine liter engine in it.
0: <laughs> I kinda like those old European sports cars just like you. I've never had one, but uh... Yeah, but I just love them. I mean, and especially Candini. I love Gandini Design, Bertone, Beninfarina, I mean, all of them. They just built some magical stuff. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, and I'm guessing you've had a lot of drinks with a lot of cool people, who would that person be?
1: I have been blessed with that, and you're right. And there's one person I'd like to sit down with and have a long conversation with, and that's Coca. Iacocca.
0: Mm, yes, uh, me too.
1: He, he, He was, I've met Lee, I've been around him several times. I've been blessed to to say I know him. I've I've met him. Uh, At the same time, I'd like to just, I'd like to have him tell me some of the stories. Can you imagine the stories that guy has?
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to have him on this show. Maybe one of these days I can land that one. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would really enjoy?
1: I have. And I recommend it highly. It's called The Last Open Road by Burt Levy.
0: Oh, Bert! Um, yeah, he's awesome. Have you read that book? I've read all of his books. He is—he is one unique a gentleman, that's for sure.
1: He—he—it's funny you say that because I read the book and loved it, and then I met him, and he, he wasn't at all like I thought he was going to be. And I would assume that's <laughs> kind of your take on this. But yeah, the book is amazing because of the story about you know road racing in the fifties, and was new to America after World War II, and all the stuff that happened, and the young man they followed through all that, but. But yeah. then I met him and and it was that's another chapter. it's a completely yes. different book, actually, I
0: would say, yeah, well, all that. of his books yeah, it. all of his books are fantastic. He's been a guest here on Carjaw, yeah, so you two are Karja yeah, alumni now, but uh, yeah, Bert Levy's a very special guy, and his books are just magical, I mean they're huge, I mean just you gotta really you gotta just dig into because they 'cause they're they're not a weekend read, that's for sure. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great things that Gary has shared today on his Cars yeah show notes page. Just go to com, type in Gary Bennett, and that page will pop right up. All right, Gary, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question, it can be a bit of a doozy. Now, Muffy had a quick and easy answer for this. We'll see if, if it will be as easy for you. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. Money's no object, but there are some rules. This is the only cool collector car you can have. I'm sorry, you got to get rid of all the others. You can't sell it to buy all the others back, so that little trick's off the table. But I want you to drive it and enjoy it. No garage queens here Cars, yeah. So what can I buy you today?
1: I would buy a 2018 Heritage Edition 4GT. Honoring Dan <laughs> Gurney. My, my good friend Dan Gurney, I, I miss him every day. Yeah. Uh, at, the end, at the end of the day, and what that car represents, I mean, the first car to win the with American Drive. First wasn't the first car to win the as an American car, but it was when it won in, in '67, it was driven by Gurney and Foyt. First time two American drivers ever won Lamar. What that represents to me is just unbelievable. And that would be a car that's to cherish forever.
0: My goodness. Yeah, I saw one of those while I was at Pebble Beach. I mean, those cars are absolutely spectacular, but in that heritage edition, it just takes them to a whole nother level and uh, brings back those memories. Dan Gurney is one of those guys. I had him booked. Several times to be on the show, he was getting ill and growing older and we just were never able to coordinate that. I'm so sad for that. But uh I think you would look awesome in that car. Yeah. yeah I think just awesome. Well, so uh <laughs> I'll get to work that, and see if I you know, can not, deliver no, that.
1: that. This is gonna sound awful, but I have it sitting in my garage. Well uh, that's
0: what I you know. Do. Yeah, you know, I was hoping so you would that. I, mean, it, I was sorry. hoping you would go there. You know. Uh here's a unique thing, Gary. Very few of my guests have the dream car and I love it when they do. Muffy, of course, that Humvee and you with the Ford GT. I'm so happy for you guys, but it just shows how hard you've worked to be able to earn what you've had. Well deserved. Kudos to you. And I'm really happy because I don't have to buy you a car today. (laughs) I can save a few. I can save a few coins. Well, Gary, you have taken me. On a spectacular ride. I'm so happy I've had you as a guest here today. Thank you for sharing your incredible journey with the CarShout listeners. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the desert sunset in that Heritage Edition 4GT?
1: I do. And I mean this with my entire being. Enjoy life now. It does have an expiration date, Mark. So live well, love much, and laugh often.
0: Wonderful words of inspiration. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and what you're doing these days?
1: Well, my email address is gbennett at Richie, R-I-T-C-H-I-E, bros, B-R-O-S dot com. If you have any questions, uh, I'm happy to give you my cell number. Is that okay, Mark?
0: If you'd like to, absolutely.
1: Uh, if anybody has any questions and I can ever help anyone, I would be honored to do that. My number is 480 And uh, I embrace this hobby and I embrace the people that love it. And it's always about new people coming in because we need to keep this going. And the future is just that. And and I'm embracing young people that they are future. They are everything to us now. And uh, we need to get them interested in these amazing cars.
0: Absolutely. That's why I always try to insert McPherson College into my conversations here because they're doing just that. Offering 40 year degrees to uh, young people. And I met some tremendous young people who are going to be future guests here on the show who go to McPherson College. I'm going to have the president of the college on the show as well. But yeah, take a kid to a car show. Take a kid to a vintage race. Uh, take a kid to a new showroom and show him the new cars. Get him passionate so he can, uh, he can carry on this hobby that we all enjoy so much. And, uh, Gary, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise and for sharing your wonderful worldly experiences with my listeners and with me. This has been a joy. Lovely to talk to your wife, Muffy, yesterday. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: I look forward to that, Mark. Thank you for having
0: me. You're welcome. You take care of your cars.